Well, good, good morning, Lakeshore. Um, my, my, thank you. Uh, if you are new with us, or uh, I'm the backup pastor today, and um, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk to the people online now. Welcome. If you're online, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Smyrna. Hopefully you're not booing down there. Um, and thank you for joining us down in Smyrna and, and everybody here, except for the people over here who are booing. And um, I'm the backup pastor today. Uh, Randy today is actually in Florida doing a wedding. Poor, boo, yeah. Poor guy. I mean, I don't know how you get the gigs or the weddings in, in Florida on the boats, but I'm available. If you're having a wedding... Maybe you want to go to Hawaii and you need someone to do your wedding. I can do that. Um, you know, I, I do funerals too in other states or, other, you know, I, I can do all that stuff. So, um, but, but Randy's in Florida today. And, and if you're new with us, thank you for joining us. But, uh, but my name is Mike Sports. I'm the campus pastor at our Smyrna campus. And, and it's so great to have everyone here, uh, no matter where you're joining us uh, from. Um, today, we are going to continue our series on worldview. And Randy's been going through this series about the way that we see the world and the way that, that, that we as Christians need to see the world and how it's different from the rest of society. Um, and one of the things that shapes our worldview is reliability. Um, I don't know about you, but I want to be sure that what I believe is reliable. And, 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 and what, what we as, as Christians the, the thing that we get all of our information about Jesus and about God is from this book, the Bible. And I want to make sure that this thing is reliable. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be uh, tricked into to, to believing something that is not true. And I think a lot of us believe that. I hope that that's what you, if you are a Christ follower, you want to make sure that this book is reliable. Now, when I think about reliability, the thing I think about the most is my first car, okay? All right, my very first car, I think back to your first car. My very first car, and we have a picture of one like it, but it was a 1985 Dodge Charger, okay? And I think we have a picture, there it is right there, yeah! It came with a free mullet. The mullet came with that, yeah. That thing, that, that, you know, you think Dodge Charger, and you're like, yeah, Charger, that was not the cool Dodge Charger. Okay, this car, this is my first car, a 1985 Dodge Charger. Um, let me list the amazing features of this car. Get ready to be amazed. Crank windows, yeah. Um, it, uh, someone, all? <laughs> Crank windows, no power steering, four, count them, one, two, three, four cylinders. Yeah, zero to 60 in about a minute and a half, all right? Um, it, it had, but I will tell you the one cool thing about this car, it had a sunroof. That was the most awesome thing because if you notice, that car was about that big and I'm about that big. And that sunroof, the only way I could get in the car, my, my head would actually stick to the sunroof. And so it would open the sunroof and my head would go up over and I could feel like my hair, like back when I had hair, just in the air. And so that's how I got in that car. That car, I got to tell you guys, was not reliable. 
Now, I am very appreciative of that car because that car was given to me by my aunt and it had been sitting in my grandfather's farm in the side of his field for five years and she gave it to me and it still ran and it had some issues. It had a lot of issues actually. Um, it had, it, it, I remember there was about a two month period where we had an electrical issue where, and it was a, it was a, it was a, four, it was a stick shift and it was a four speed and I would have to either do one of two things to get it started. I had to park on a hill so I could roll start it and pop the clutch, right? I don't know if you've ever done that. Or I had to make sure I had at least two friends with me and they could push start me or had, or had to fight. And there was a couple times where I didn't have either and I had to get some people to kind of push me to get it started. Um, the other thing, this, this thing, I had a bad clutch. Um, it smoked like crazy. And it had this really cool feature that once you got above 50 miles an hour, it would go like this, like that. So, and, and, and so this, this car was not very reliable. And I remember uh, getting my first reliable car when I was in college. I'd saved up. I worked as a bagger at Food Lion for years, and, and at Texaco is another place I worked, and saving up and buying my very first reliable car. And when you have something that's reliable, it feels good, it feels safe, it feels secure. When you can rely on something, whether it's a car or a person or whatever it is, there's a feeling of safety. There's a feeling of security. In the Bible, God's word, we need to feel safe that it is reliable. That it's something that we can, that, that we can hold on to and that we can, can look at with, with ultimate authority and know that it's true. And we want that feeling. We want that feeling of safety. Safety. Uh, safety. No one, when we go and we think about things, we don't go looking like for cars and just say, hey, can I get the biggest piece of junk you have? Like, no, we don't do that because we want the reliability. And so we want to know that God's word is reliable and true. So today what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about and we're going to look at the reliability of God's word. If this book is going to shape your worldview and you're going to be a Christ follower and you're going to base your life on this book, we need to know that it's reliable. I mean, people have died for what's in this book. People have, have, have been put in jail for having one of these. If that's going to happen, I want to know that it's true. And you want to know it's reliable. Now, here's the thing. Um, people have wondered about how reliable Scripture is for years. For thousands of years, people have wondered if this book is true. Is this really the truly one, one word of God? Is this the word of God? Is this book written, inspired by the creator? And in fact, Luke, um, in the New Testament, Luke, this is the first four, four uh, verses of, of Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke. So he says this, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. What he says, he says, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. What Luke has done in his gospel, is he has he is writing this to a guy named Theopolis, and he has investigated all the things that are inside this book. See, Luke was a little bit different. He was a doctor, and and, and Luke never met Jesus. 
Um, most likely he had never actually met him face to face. He had not spent, he was not one of the 12 disciples. So what Luke had done is he had done a lot of research. And as a doctor, he was really good at research. Okay, And so his whole gospel is based on evidence that he has collected and that he has put together. And, and there's a lot of things in his gospel that are, that, that are a lot more detailed than in some of the other gospels. And, so, um, and that's what he's done. And, and he has investigated the reality that this is God's word. And so today what I want to do is I just want to take a few minutes. I want to present three truths about scripture that I believe shows us that the Bible is true and trustworthy and reliable. And, and before we, we go, I, I want to make sure that you, you, you don't just take my word for it. Don't just walk out of here and be like, oh, well, Mike said it, so yeah, that's got to that's be right. You, know? uh, you, you need to do investigation on your own. We need the, the Bible, God is okay if we test this book, okay? He's okay with that. Um, but we need, to, we need to do the research on our own, so don't just take my word with it. So it's three truths about Scripture. The first truth that you need to know about Scripture is that it is unique. The Bible is a unique book. Here's a few facts that, that I think just make the Bible stand out from any other book. It is unique in authorship. Uh, the word Bible simply means book. So when you hear Holy Bible, it's Holy Book. That's what the word Bible means. And the, the Bible, we call it one book, but what this actually is, this is 66 books um, that, that are put together in this one full book. So there's 66 books in here. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And the word Testament um, means covenants. So when you hear Old Testament and New Testament, it's Old Covenant and New Covenant. And if you don't know a covenant, a covenant is just basically a, like a, a super strong pinky promise. Like a covenant is a promise that cannot, will not be broken. So it's the old promise and the new promise. And it's God's covenant with us when you hear Old and New Testament. That's what, those, that's what that is. So the Bible is very unique in its authorship. There are 40 different authors from all walks of life. life. Listen to this. 40 different authors. There were shepherds, farmers, tent makers, doctors, fishermen, priests, tax collectors, ministry leaders, and kings all, put, all wrote the Bible. Biblical writers included almost every type of person. Uh, the wise, the foolish, the faithful, the treacherous, the rich, the poor, the innocent, the guilty, the young, the old. The authorship of the Bible is very unique. It's very different. No other book has been put together with that kind of authorship. With that, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, about how cohesive it is in a minute. It's also unique in its literary genre. The Old Testament, and, and, and this is, uh, this, the, like I said, this is 66 different books, but they are very different kinds of books. Um, the Old Testament, the first 17 books of the Old Testament are historical. Um, the next five books in the Old Testament are poetry and wisdom. The final 17 books in the Old Testament are books of the prophets. And the Old Testament tells a story about the history of God interacting with his people, the Jewish people. And then what the Old Testament does is it paves the way for the New Testament. So it's a very important part of, of, of this, this book. The New Testament uh, has four books about the life and ministry of Jesus. has one book about the beginning of the church. has 21 books about Christian living and principles. And has one book about prophecy. Revelation in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible contains 6,000 years of recorded history. 
It contains stories of giants and floods, food falling from heaven. It has stories of war. It has poetry. It contains miracles. It has stories about talking donkeys and even has a story about bears killing a bunch of teenagers for making fun of someone's bald spot. Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2, look it up. Respect your elders, kids. It's in there. Okay? Yeah. It's awesome. The Bible is, is unique. It's different. It's unique in its languages. Um, the, the Bible is written in three different languages. It's written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And at least one part of the Bible has been translated into over 3,000 different languages. Let me, let, let, me, let, me, let me explain that for a second. Over 3,000 different languages. And you're thinking, okay, so other books are translated in other languages. Lord of the Rings, one of the best-selling books of all time, has only been translated into 38 different languages. Harry Potter has only been translated into 80 different languages. The Bible, or parts of the Bible, has been translated into over 3,000 different languages. No other book even comes close the Bible is also unique in its teachings. The Bible contains unique teachings not found in any other religious text anywhere. Scripture teaches us to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, and put others' needs before our own. It also teaches that salvation is by grace alone, and it's a free gift from God to anyone who is baptized and willing to receive it. And there's other religious, uh, religions that offer forms of grace, but none that offer grace as a no-strings-attached gift. The Bible is unique in the things that it teaches. It's also unique in its circulation. Uh, it's the best-selling book of all time. It's the best-selling book of all. No other book has sold near as many copies. Um, so the best-selling book of all time, six billion copies. Over 6 billion copies, actually, have been printed and been sold of the Bible. Billion, with a B. Elon Musk, the Facebook guy, Jeff Bezos, buh, buh, billion. And you're like, okay, well, so that's, that's a lot, yeah, yeah. Second place, A Tale of Two Cities with 200 million, with an M. That's a lot more. <laughs> if you can do math, that's a lot more, Okay. So, so it's unique in its circulation. No other book has been circulated as much as the Bible. Here's something else that's unique about the Bible. Right now, the Bible is being smuggled across borders. It's being read in jail cells and on deathbeds. And people have died for, the thing, to, for, for teaching what it contains. Nobody's doing that with any other book. There's something different about it. The Bible is unique. It's the most unique book in history. And not only is it unique, but the second thing, the second truth about the Bible is that I believe it's reliable. The Bible is reliable. If we're going to model our life around God's word, I want something that's reliable. I want, some I want, I want to, to believe and I want to make sure that this stuff is true. And there's three reasons here I'm going to give you, and there are a lot more that I think the Bible just proves, that proves that the Bible is reliable, and it really does contain the Word of God, and it really is uh, truth. And, and there's, there, there's three things I want to talk about real quick, and like I said, there's a lot more. 
the first is it has zero contradictions. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors. We already talked about that, covering hundreds of topics over a, over a period of 1,500 years, and not once does it contradict itself. Not once does it contradict itself. Think about this. Moses was educated in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, Joshua was a military commander, David was a musician, Solomon was a king, Amos was a shepherd, Peter was a fisherman, Matthew was a tax collector, Luke was a doctor, and every one of these men had different occupations and backgrounds and lived hundreds of years apart, and yet the, the Bible is all cohesive and there is no contradictions. There's, it's written in three different languages on three different continents. And despite all of that, there is one unifying message, and that's God's glory and salvation. And the central theme of the Bible is the person and work of Jesus Christ. How is that possible that that many people over that long a period wrote this thing out and, and, it, it, and it's, it gels together so well? If it was written by man alone, there would have been contradictions. There would have been mistakes. And the conclusion for me is that God is the author, the true author, and he directed each writer on what to say and to write down his words in this book. Think of it, think of it this way. The, the, an orchestra has many different musicians. If you've ever seen an orchestra, uh, there's the string section and the brass section and the percussion and, and all the different sections of uh, an orchestra. And every one of those musicians is different. And they have different backgrounds and they have different parts to play. But when they play together, it's one cohesive, it's one cohesive song. And that's because there's one conductor conducting them. God is our conductor. God is the conductor of the Bible. God is conductor of this book. He, is, he, he put all of this together and he inspired every person that wrote, the, wrote, wrote every word in this book. So the Bible is, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible has zero contradictions, but the Bible is also historically accurate. The Bible is historically accurate. The Bible gives detailed historical records of people, places, and events that cannot be refuted, that historians agree, yes, th this actually happened. Archaeologists have uncovered evidence of events described in the Bible. They found the walls of Jericho. You know what's cool about them? The walls of Jericho didn't crumble down. The walls of Jericho fell over flat. There's something about that in the Bible, okay? It proves that the way that the Bible, what the Bible says happened in Jericho happened. Uh, they found a ring with Pilate's name on it. They found David's city. And all different archaeological, there never, there's never been any archaeological discovery that has ever contradicted the Bible. The Bible also has more manuscript evidence to support it than 10 pieces, than any 10 pieces of classical literature combined. There are 25,000 portions of the New Testament alone that we can look back and see manuscripts of. And combined with the Old Testament, there are more than 66,000 manuscripts and scrolls that we can look back on and see as, as, as original manuscripts of the Bible. The Iliad is second with 600 manuscripts. And to, to get a visual of that, here's what I want. I've got a slide to show you a visual of this. If we look at the average classical writer, um, they would have a stack of about four feet tall. 
If you look at the, that of manuscripts, when you look at the, the amount of manuscripts, if you take the manuscripts, and here we go, um, there, there's, uh, and you stack them, you know, on a regular eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, and you, you put them down and you stack them up, uh, the average classical writer would be four feet tall. That's about how much that they would write. Um, the second, uh, the second uh, thing there is the World, One World Trade Center, that's 17 and seven, 1776 feet tall. The New Testament alone, if you stacked pages up, would be one mile high. The Old Testament would be a mile and a half, and the whole Bible would be two and a half miles high of manuscripts stacked. See, here's why that's important, because if, if we, these manuscripts prove that nothing was changed over the years. With so many original manuscripts, the Bible isn't trustworthy, then no other ancient document is either. They were studied and discovered by the same process. These are manuscripts that can be, you can look back on and you can see, and you can see that they were discovered, and they are, they're not fakes. Not only is there a large number of manuscripts of the Bible, they are all completely accurate to one another. Jewish scribes, there were people, there was a certain, uh, they had a special class of men in their culture whose job it was to preserve those documents perfectly. They kept tabs on every, on every word, every syllable, every letter, every word, every paragraph. To make, when they were copying it down and, and, and writing the Bible out and they were making copies of the Bible before the printing press, their job was to make sure it was exact. exact. And those manuscripts are all cohesive. And so we can be sure that the Bible that we read today is the same as it was when it was written. The third piece of evidence for the reliability of the Bible is the fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible is full of fulfilled prophecy. Fulfilled prophecy is, and prophecy is, is accurately, uh, is accurately uh, prophesied in future event specific, ah, excuse me. <laughs> if fulfilled prophecy, prophecy is predicting accurately future events specific, that, 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 that are hundreds of years later in the future. So a prophecy, someone will, so a prophecy, if I were to make a prophecy that in a hundred years uh, we're, we're going to be on, we're going to be up in space. Somebody will go to space in a hundred years. That's, that's kind of vague. Okay, but a prophecy is is a very specific prediction that is made. Okay, now occasionally someone might get a lucky guess, and, and they might might actually just guess some prophecy. But when it happens multiple times over and over again, it's evidence that there is a supernatural power at work. Here's a list of a few prophecies that were fulfilled in the Bible. Get ready. Okay. Isaiah 53 gives details of Jesus' death 700 years before it happened. Daniel tells of the rise and fall of every nation from Persia to Rome. Here's just a few prophecies about Jesus that came true. He is to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. He is to be preceded by a Messiah, Isaiah 43. He is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. He is to be betrayed by a friend, Psalms 41.9. He is to be sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11.12. He is to be silent before his accusers, Isaiah 53.7. He is to be executed by crucifixion, Psalms 22.16. He is to be given vinegar to quench his thirst, Psalms 69.22. He is to be executed without having broken a bone, Exodus 
Exodus 12, 46. He is to be buried in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53, 9. He is to be raised from the dead, Isaiah 53, 9 through 10. I know what you're thinking. That's some lucky guesses, right? Here's the thing. There is no way that, 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 that anybody could guess all that about one person. There's no way that someone can make all that, that, get that lucky. That is just a few of the, the prophecies that, that Jesus fulfilled. There's a mathematician named Peter Stoner. Um, and he, he's a mathematician, and, uh, and he figured out the probability of, of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those prophecies, okay? The, prof- the probability of one man on his own, without the help of God, fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. And what he concluded and what they found out is if one person not helped by God, not, not divine, without divine inspiration, without the, the creator, just happen chance to fulfill eight prophecies, it would be a one in 10 to the 17th power chance. And what that means is it is one with 17 zeros behind it. That is the chance of one person fulfilling eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Let me give you a visual of that, okay? If you take one to the, I mean, sorry, 10 to the 17th power, and you take that many silver dollars, you would cover the state of Texas two feet deep, all right? Now, the chance... Of, of, of the, the same chance of, of, of Jesus fulfilling eight of those prophecies without help, help from, a, from a creator is the same chance of you taking one, I take, me taking one silver dollar, marking it with something, putting a Sharpie or something on it, writing my name on it, tossing it in the middle of that huge, massive sea of silver dollars, stirring it up, blindfolding you, walking through Texas and picking up one and that being the one. That's the chances of just eight of the prophecies of Jesus being fulfilled without the help of a creator. Here's the problem. Jesus didn't fulfill eight prophecies. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies on his own. 300 prophecies were fulfilled by the Messiah, were fulfilled by Jesus. There is no way that it was just chance that these guys just guessed. There was no way hundreds of years before that they would have known what was going to happen. There's no way. It has to be inspired by a creator. And if it's inspired by God, then you can rely on it. If, if this book is really inspired by, it really is the one true word of God, then you should be able to rely on it. And if you can rely on it, then it needs to be your ultimate authority. And that's the last thing I want to talk about today is, is if this really is, this is God's book. This is, this is written by the creator. This is God inspired. Then this is the ultimate authority for our life. It's written by the creator. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3, 6 to 7 says, all scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed, every bit of it. This is written by the Savior, the, the Creator. 
It's one thing to say that the Bible is the ultimate authority. It's a whole other thing to submit to its authority. When we submit to its authority, when we submit to the authority that's in this book, it changes everything. Here's a few examples, uh, just the things that it needs to change in our life. It needs to change where we seek guidance. If, if we truly believe this is the word of God, this is it, this is, this is it, then, then we gotta, we, it changes where we seek guidance. We don't need to be looking for guidance anywhere else because this is the word of God. This is the word that is written by the creator of everything. And, 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 and so, and sometimes what we do is we look for answers in all these other different places. Why would we do that when we have the creator's love letter to us? David understood this in Psalms 25, 4 and 5. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are, you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. When we believe that this is the word of God, we need to use this for guidance. It changes everything. It changes how we, how we treat our enemies. It changes how we think, how we speak. It changes our marriages. It changes the way we do our jobs. It changes the way we teach our kids. Randy touched on this last week, but, but you need to know if this is the word of God and you believe it, it changes how you raise your children. It changes what you teach them. Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6, 6 and 9 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. It doesn't say just take them to church and let them deal with it. As a parent, that is your job. That's not, now, the church is here to help, and we want to help, and we need to help, and we want to be a partner with you. But, but we don't just kick the kids out of church and say, here, you, you, you take care of the, the, the Bible learning there, okay? That's not how it works. Show your kids God's plan for them and don't expect other people to do it. The Bible commands us, if we believe this is the word of God, that's God, that's God telling us to do that, okay? So don't be fooled into thinking that, that, that if you're just showing up to, to churches is, is everything. You need to be the one there with your kids. You need to model Christ to them every day. You are the number one spiritual influence on their life. So if you believe this is, book is truthful and, 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 and really is God's love letter to us, then it changes everything. Everything about our lives should change. And we can no longer go on living like we did before. And what we, what we believe about the Bible determines how we use the Bible. And ultimately, Scripture was given to us by a creator who loves us. It contains teachings that we need to get through, through this life and to live eternally. If, 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 if this contains teachings that will are forever. And you need to know that you can rely on Scripture. You, need to, you can rely on Scripture. Then if you can rely on Scripture, then you can rely on a Savior. And, and, and maybe today, I don't know where you are. I don't know. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've always been in church and maybe you've not always relied on the Bible and you've kind of you had, had your doubts about it. But you need to know that, that this book is reliable. It's the word of God. And, and we have a Savior that loves us, wants us to follow him, wants us to be with him 
forever and ever and ever. And he wants us to spend eternity with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this book that is so reliable. We thank you for this love letter that you've given us. And Father, I just ask that wherever anyone's at right now, that they understand and they, and they, they take what they've heard today and they, they listen and they hear the words and they, they, they feel the re- and they know that this, they can understand and they can realize that this book is true. It is reliable. It is your word. And that you gave it to us because you love us and that you want to spend eternity with us. Lord, we thank you for, for this, this letter. And, and Lord, I just ask if there's anyone here today that, that has never, never followed you, that today might be the day and today might be the day that they trust you with everything they have. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.